0: hope I can make it through De Grassy Viewing Podcast. I'm your veteran Donnie.
1: I'm your kind of tired neophyte Frank.
0: And today we have a very special guest. This person is someone who is near and dear to me. They have a lot of really cool ideas, especially when it comes to writing and DD and all that really awesome stuff. And they are also a podcaster doing their own tabletop gaming as well. Let's please give a warm welcome to our friend Alex.
2: Hi, hey.
0: I'm sick, but I'm here. I'm ready to go. We appreciate your dedication to to Degrassi. The one the
2: two episodes I've ever watched of this show.
0: (laughs) So so let's talk about these episodes. We are looking at season two, episode 21 and 22, which are called Tears Are Not Enough, part one and two.
1: And we are officially closing out season two.
0: That's wild. I can't believe we've gone through two seasons already.
1: I can't believe it It hasn't even been a year yet we've gone through two seasons. (laughs)
0: We're consistent, if anything else. Um, So, (laughs) Alex, you revealed that these are your first two episodes of Degrassi. Uh, What was your relationship with Degrassi before this? Like, how you heard of it? What did you know of it? Et cetera, et cetera.
2: There's only a couple things I knew about Degrassi, because I guess some of my friends watched it when we were growing up, is that it was a teen drama, and also Drake was in it, and that's it. (laughs) <laughs> that's it I was like, Drake's in there somewhere <laughs> and When I found him, I yelled Drake, he's here, I found him
1: And then, then, yeah, that's,
2: that's
1: it. And then he's just like I'm upset That's the only Drake song I know
0: <laughs> Um, Yeah, I feel like that's pretty much A lot of our guests when they first come on to this They're like, yeah, I don't know That show, Drake was on it And like, that's it that's all they got.
2: That's
0: all. Yep, that's all I got. It's fine. Um, so we're going to be looking at these episodes. A quick content warning with this one. It is going to be dealing with abuse. If you are familiar with or know the episodes When Doves Cry, Part 1 and 2, it talked explicitly about Craig being abused by his father. This episode is looking at um, looking at that, talking about that, talks a little bit about like PTSD-related reactions to it, including flashing back and things like that. Also, uh, talking about... In the later parts of the plot, it's going to be talking about car accidents and dying from car accidents. So if this is stuff that is really heavy for you, please check at the bottom um, bottom comments to kind of see the minute marks on that whole entire thing. So you can figure out what parts of the episode you feel comfortable listening to, if any of it. Um, so, Alex, as our guest, we... Love to yes. encourage. <laughs> we love to encourage them to introduce us with the a plot and b plot. Though in your case, it's like the a plot, the b part plot for part one, and the b plot for part two. So, if you'd like to give it a shot.
2: All right. Let's see what I got here. Um, so basically, from what I've been, what I've examined in watching it, a plot is Craig. I guess had some past episodes or whatever where he was dealing with his father's abuse and got out of it, I guess. So I guess this is um a follow-up of that in which his father is trying to get back into his life and he's dealing with the repercussions of that in some ways. And dealing with like the trauma and trying to figure out, alright, well, am I gonna let him back in my life or not? And then the B-plot, at least for the first episode, is like JT wants to pass exams, and then, uh, her name's Liberty, right? Yep. Liberty's like, I'll help you, but you have to go to the dance with me, but he's in a big dilemma, because he wants to ask the other girl out. Um, and then, I don't remember, what was the B plot of the second episode?
0: It's kind of hard, because it's, like, interstitial with, like, the, uh, A plot, but it's, like, basically...
2: so, in, I was so invested in that that I was just like, what else is going on?
0: Yeah, like, basically, I guess, I'll jump in. I guess, like, the B-plot for the second episode was, like, multiple ninth-grade hetero couples competing against each other for the Luau King. And Queen. Oh,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. I, like, I saw Drake and I just, everything about his character just left me. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, right, right. He's here, and he's dealing with the fact that he wants to, like, compete over these other characters.
0: Exactly. So, uh, we we talked off-air to decide how we're going to do this. So, just because the A-plot and the B-plot for the second episode are so interconnected, we'll just start with the B-plot from the first episode.
1: Yeah, I realized, like, it's... I, I was going through the summary, and I realized it's, like, only, like, three scenes.
0: Yeah, it's, it's one of those. <laughs> but it's, like, not... It's weird, because it's, like, you have such a serious episode. And like, it sounds like Alex, even you were like quite invested in it, even as somebody who hasn't seen a lot of the series yet. And yeah, like, yep. yeah, and like, it, we we've gotten very attached to Craig throughout the seasons. So, like, we're watching it and we're like, I don't, I don't care. Like, what's going on with Craig? I want to know what's going on with Craig. Is he safe? I don't know. I don't think he's safe. <laughs> and now you have to like go through these three scenes of. Uh, Liberty and JT dealing with this, which I guess the point of it is to set up this end-of-the-year dance aspect of it, which is going to be weighing so heavily on the second half of it. I guess that was kind of the mindset behind having it as a plot, but once again, like I feel like I have this issue with a lot of these two-part episodes where your B plot just doesn't quite match up with the emotional impact of the A plot, but...
1: and now, that, now that I'm, like, a bit older in this show, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I had to say, I think, I think part of it might just be to kind of point out that, like, you know, not all things are terrible all the time for all students. Yeah. Like, you know, because um, we just recorded um, the episode, we just recorded literally, like, maybe 20 minutes ago, um, we finished recording How Soon Is Now? Mm-hmm. And in that one, we were talking about how Spinner um, is viewing Paige in a different way because what he knows versus what actually happened to her. And like, I'm now that I'm thinking about that, like this could be more like this kind of fits in with, you know, student life, where it's just like, yeah, like you have like kids going through this. But then you also have kids who are more happy-go-lucky who are doing their own thing, like JT yeah. and Liberty. And once again, we, we generally don't like to give the writers too much credit, but I do think maybe it's just like, hey, so just so you know, while this is happening, this other stuff could be happening, so maybe keep an eye out. Maybe you can help a friend.
0: Yeah, I guess I just liked how the second half of this episode, like, this part two did that, like, had your kids going through, like, inconsequential things or, like, getting caught in, like, tanning beds and, like, wanting to scream. It, it was, like, a more organic thing, but once again, it does kind of go back to the fact that Degrassi, the cast, extends at least two grades at this point, and what's going to be happening in the middle school level, JT and Liberty, is not necessarily going to ripple into the high school level that is Craig and um, Paige and, like, some of those other kids. So there is something to be said about that. It's true.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, I, I do agree that it is kind of nice to break away from the drama and have something a little bit more lighthearted. I do think that, like, what was happening in the second uh, part of it was a little bit more... Organic, like you said, as far as like here's some drama going on that's like goofy, and here's some like real drama. Um, I guess it's really funny because the stuff that was happening between JT and Liberty is like what I thought Degrassi was about. <laughs> and then when I watched like what the actual real drama is, I was like, oh, there's more to this show.
0: Yeah, it's 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 true, and it's interesting because I feel like a lot of the time it like the first season like that's a this is like the b plot's a first season plot like if you watch the first season it's much more lighthearted. second season begins to flip the switch where you see a lot more of these types of plots or like in the case of Paige and shout and that plot about sexual assault or like you know white wedding which was the episode that um we what was it episode that handled like talking about like abortion and stuff like that like They begin to get heavier. Third season, you really begin to see, like, how heavy the extent of it gets. But it's interesting watching the progression and how, like, there is, like, this kind of fractured interpretation of what Degrassi is by people who haven't watched it. But at the same time, your read on it is correct for certain episodes of certain plots. Like, it's not a wrong read on the show.
2: I wonder how much of it was, like them kind of testing the waters first before going into the deeper stuff or if it was like we're gonna make you think it's this type of show and then we're gonna show you that it's like way more than that
1: well the thing is this show had a um history of going there
0: yeah back back in like the 80s and stuff
1: going there tm um (laughs) but like you know now it's like we're coming back for a new generation you
0: know? Yeah, and I, I think it, it does kind of complement the conundrum that I think I I think is a very real one to have where it's like you are going back into the world of teen drama, what does that look like in the early aughts compared to the eighties? Like, as we saw in in the original Degrassi, well I've seen, you two have not seen, like, there are certain plots that come back in the next generation because some of them are just the truths of being a teenager like one of the first episodes of degrassi junior high is actually very similar to one of the first episodes of degrassi the next generation which is that um there's an older sister who is running for student council and the younger brother is kind of nerdier and not like her at all and like them trying to like come to some sort of common ground which is identical to what happens in, like, second episode of Degrassi the Next Generation. So there's, like, certain ones that are truths of being a teenager, but the tone aspect of it, the way that you show the information and in some of the plots are going to be a little different between the two age groups. So I-, I totally understand the apprehension of sorts with tone that they struggled with in the first season, because it's like, okay, we're coming back after, like, what, like, 15 years like how do you how do you get the attention of a new a new generation it's interesting
2: mm-hmm. yeah that's true i guess especially if you have such a time difference between being a teen back when it first started versus being a teen with the with the new, the new generation one
0: yeah So let's get to this, this plot. Um, We're at the end of the year, so we're getting through final exams and things like that. Um, I still don't really understand how the school year is supposed to end in Degrassi (laughs) no more than I understood the first season. But that is neither here nor there. I I don't understand it. Um, JT is in, (laughs) JT is bugging out trying to work on some sort of exam. um, And he's trying to make eyes at Liberty to maybe get a hint of some sort in Liberty is dressed like a minion, first of all. Like, like, I need to be clear. Like, a lot of kids are wearing blue and gold in that scene. Like, one kid's wearing red. Everyone else is wearing blue and gold, which makes sense because that's the school colors, but, like, she's straight up wearing a yellow shirt with overalls. I love my daughter very much, but she is not a fashionista. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Page just slips a note into her locker That just that just says see me
0: Yeah right Like <laughs> ugh. um, And it's really funny cause like she sees That JT is like trying to look at her And trying to probably get like a hint of some sort And she just with a flourish Like finishes up her test Flips it over dramatically And just like I, I love Liberty I don't know what to say I love that kid
1: and you, I also imagine you didn't see it, but she moonwalks out of the room.
0: Yeah, like, she's just like, oh, oh boy, like, you wanted answers? Well, you're not getting them.
1: <laughs> While doing finger guns at JTA.
0: Please. I love her.
1: If there's any artists in our audience, please draw me that fan art. I will pay you
0: $10. Or whatever your rates are. Yeah. <laughs> um. So... Afterwards, JT approaches Liberty, and he asks, like, he, like, she's like, kind of anticipates where the conversation is gonna go, like, oh, you want me to tutor you, and he's like, yeah, I guess. Which, by the way, I feel like it's a little late to ask for tutoring. Yeah, at this point,
2: you're doing final exams, I don't
0: know. Like,
1: yeah, then know it or you don't.
0: Yeah, like, like, it's just cramming at that point, like... I hesitate to call it tutoring. Yeah. Um, But she's still, like, willing to do it, but the stipulation that she has is that he has to compensate her by taking her to the dance as his date.
2: I wrote in my notes, um, as I was watching this, once again, not knowing the context of anything, is like, wow, this subplot, she is getting it. (laughs) <laughs> I was like I I I get from my limited look that JT is kind of like sucks a little bit but uh or maybe a lot I don't know but, but uh I was like you know what you you go you tell him <laughs> you make him take you to that
0: dance well it's 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 it, it's an important moment of sorts because it's like JT JT and Liberty have had a very tense relationship, and that has existed for, like, a while at this point.
1: He once pretended to be gay to avoid telling her that he didn't like her.
0: Yes. Uh,
1: In the the most stereotypical, flamboyant way possible.
0: Yeah, and, like... I'm sure. They have been trying to get back at each other in various ways. Liberty's being more valid than JT's for a lot of it, in the sense that, like, she really wants to have a handle on the situation herself. Because a lot of the time it's been JT denying her, JT denying her advances, JT making fun of her, JT, like, kind of... Like, it's a very, like, common term in their circle to, like, to be a liberty is to be a stick in the mud and things like that. And, like, he has been responsible for kind of instigating a lot of that. So, it's... It's clearly her trying to control her social status and trying to control this situation and this dynamic that they have with each other. And I can't blame her. I I, can't blame her.
1: I like to think this is a culmination of what Liberty has been turning into. Yeah. Like, Liberty started off kind of a shrunken violet. Um, There was this whole plot line where she wanted to do the morning announcements.
0: Oh, baby. And
1: Ashley didn't want to let her. And when Ashley finally did, she was, like, stuttering and unsure of herself. But then, like, as the episodes went on, Liberty just started to gain more and more confidence. Like, there's one episode <laughs> where they think they're gonna, be, gonna become millionaires, so she buys some really cool boots. And, yeah. um... Yeah. <laughs> she starts, like, tricking people, and it just keeps getting better. But now, like, I feel like she's just like, you know what? This dumbass has been running rings around me and making fun of me all year. I'm gonna, like, work this to my advantage. I got him right where I want him.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's why I was like, you know what? More power to you. I don't even know this boy, and I know he's probably not great. Yep. Yep.
1: Well, see, the <laughs> thing is, I, I I don't know about you, Donnie. I'm in a weird place about this.
0: Yeah, I kind of am too.
1: Because we just saw a super solid episode of JT where he found out. Oh. Um, I'm gonna throw the. I'm gonna throw a uh,
0: content warning. Or, now. yeah, before
1: this. Um. He found out that uh, a girl he had a crush on, Paige, was sexually assaulted. Like, and like the her um, her uh, I, I'm blanking on the term. Um, her attacker was playing basketball at a game at the school, and then he just like he doesn't say anything. He just goes in there and tries to fight somebody who has like two feet on him and much more muscle mass. And it does not go well, but I was like, good on you, JT, for trying. <laughs> and like, I
2: mean, from what I've seen, I say that he kind of sucks, but almost, I guess, in a less severe way, just because, like, with, one of the things I do like is that they do kind of cast kids. So when you see these kids just kind of being, like, little jerks, it's not, I don't necessarily, like, hate them, Mm -hmm. So much as I'm like, yep, that's, like, a little little schooler (laughs) or whatever. Like, that's that's a kid acting like a kid.
0: Yeah, it's true. Um,
2: So when I see him, I'm like, okay, I get get what type of character, like, he is to an extent, of course. Obviously, just in the two episodes I've seen. Um, But, yeah, I'm just like, okay, I get what kind of, like, brat he's being portrayed as. Yeah.
0: It also falls into that kind of thing where just because JT is, like, nice to a girl doesn't mean he's nice to every girl. Mm-hmm. Like, not to be, like, mean about it. Because I do think what his action... I do, like, you know, did feel pos- more positive toward him at the end of the last episode than than usual. Like, we already knew he liked Paige. And we already knew that he, like, enjoyed Paige's presence and wants Paige's affection. So him being respectful of Paige and what she went through... It could also be an indicator of like you know just his fondness toward her uh, as opposed to like his ability to handle it. And like if you if it were different girls in his life situation, that doesn't mean that he would have reacted in the same exact way. It doesn't mean that he would have felt like self righteous enough to beat the snot out of Dean.
2: Yeah,
1: I, I agree with that. But now I uh, actually now that I think about this speed plot, I do think we've seen there's just like a little bit of growth. Yeah. Like, from this episode to this That's one. a
0: good point. Like, he, you know, Liberty, because Liberty gives him this stipulation, and even though he has complications toward it, he still accepts it. Yeah. As opposed to before, where he would have been like, but I'm gay, Liberty, like.
1: Yeah. Well, no, that's not even what I'm talking about. Okay. But, like, so, um, JT is complaining to Toby about how, like, he doesn't want to go through with this. So he's like, suck it up. Yeah. I'm like, well, <laughs> like, yeah, I, I did enjoy Toby this episode. Just yeah. Like, well, you made your bed, just fucking sleep in it. Who cares?
0: Yeah, um, and then like JT is just like, but I want to go out with Paige. Which, by the way, very confused by this dance situation. So last year there was a middle school dance in the afternoon and a high school dance in the evening because middle school and high school are usually separate. But in this one, it seems like they wanted they did because they we have characters who are middle schoolers in it. They just had the dance in the daylight. With both middle school and high school in it. Budget cuts. I I mean, yeah. But like, it's just.
1: They're about to cut the calf, so we need to put like one, make one dance.
0: But like, it's also like incredibly uncomfortable to me as a teacher (laughs) that you have like a 12th grader dancing around in the same space as, like, a seventh grader.
1: That is a valid
0: point. Yeah. <laughs> Just, I understand that the age range isn't that huge between a lot of these characters. Like, ultimately, the age range between a lot of these characters would probably be, like, three-ish, four-ish years between them. But, like... That could still be a lot, though. Yeah. I feel
2: like if I was in high school and I was in a dance and they middle schoolers, I'd be like, what is going on? Right?
0: <laughs> Time to leave. <laughs> yeah, like, usually it's like, oh, fuck that. But, like... I understand this group is kind of close between the middle school and high school. I know it's a little bit ambiguous amongst this group of friends of sorts, but it is still very odd, especially because canonically they have done something different. Like you know what I mean? Like canonically they changed up how they approach dances before and made a distinction between middle school and high school. Like why are they not doing it now? Whatever. I don't know. I'm just an educator. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Not a writer for TV. You gotta go to the dance. Yeah, like we all gotta go to the dance. I, I feel like the writers were just biding their time until like every character was in high school age. Yeah. Like they were just like, God damn it, why did we have these kids go? And like, why did we set this series in middle school? That was so stupid. <laughs>
1: um, so anyway, um, then we cut to Liberty shows up.
0: She just shows up. She's flashcards. Just
1: Hermione granger it all over the place. Oh,
0: she's so cute. And she
1: just, like, drew, like I I could have used a study partner, like, Liberty. I would not have failed a single test.
0: I know, right? Well, she's, like, flipping through them. And then, like, halfway through them, she, like, she, like, stops. She's, like, like oh, like, I'm thinking about, like, a chartreuse. Or, like, maybe a, like, I don't even know what the other color was. For the dress. <laughs> um... So, like, and then like, JT's like, what the, what, <laughs> like, it's it's a luau. Uh, yeah. Um, she's
1: just
2: so excited for it. She well, is.
1: Like, I, man, I would not like find out what college Liberty was going to and be like, all right, I just got to apply to that one. <laughs> what if she majors in all major? In. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like she's just so good like she she she's she wants to hold up her end of the bargain but she's so genuinely excited by the fact that she's not going to this dance alone
1: yeah which is very endearing to me yeah um, then. Wait, so I said, "I think we can just sprint through the rest of this."
0: Yeah, we can. Like they go. There's geography happens. We find out that there's a woman who teaches geography. So that's one more teacher at DeGrassi. <laughs> Don't know her name, but we know that there's one other teacher in DeGrassi.
1: Bring up the total. Like, think six teachers and one guidance counselor.
0: Yeah, you know we're doing great. Um, <laughs> hey, that's more than the first season. Um, so the exam is online. Um. And JT kind of makes eye contact with Liberty. He starts the test, and we can see that, like you know, he's able to actually go through it with relative ease, um, to a point that the next time we see this plot kick in, JT is marching out of you know marching through the halls, proclaiming that he's the king of the school, and that he now wants to ask Paige out to the luau dance.
1: He's like, I'm going to ninth grade.
0: Yeah, like he's going I'm going to ninth grade. I'm the king of the school. Paige can be my queen.
1: And he walks up to Paige, and this is, uh, and I was honestly like, no, don't you do it. Don't you do it. And he start, he's like, I have a question for you, Paige. I'm like, oh, don't you dare. And then Liberty just kind of slam hugs him.
0: <laughs> yeah. She does.
1: And she's just like, you finished before me, so I know you must have done well. And this is where I say JT had a bit of growth, because he could have just been like, well, I got what I wanted time to like, just get something else that I wanted. And so he
2: really was expecting him to like, just go ahead with it too. Yeah. I don't even know this kid. I'm like, Oh, he's going to ask the other girl.
0: Honestly, three episodes. I would have believed it too.
1: (laughs) And then he just says, Paige, can you help Liberty pick out her dress for the thing tonight? And Paige is just like, Oh, I thought you were going to ask me out. Huh? Yeah. Whatever. Cool. And it just goes off of liberty.
0: Yeah, yeah. And like you can see that there's a complication, there's a hesitation in his eyes, but ultimately he knows, like he he, you know, he wants to hold up his end of the bargain, which is big deal.
1: Yeah, and that's literally it for this beef law.
0: <laughs> yeah. But
1: yeah. I well, actually, I misspoke. There is one scene at the um in the second episode where you see both of them at the uh, dance. I think there's like some scene at the like Luau bar or whatever it is.
0: Oh yeah, they're drinking like fruity drinks together. Oh yeah,
1: like JT comes up and gets two coconuts and hands one to Liberty, and I see you see them. You see him click them together. Yeah. And I was like, "Get on you, JT," because because it doesn't look like he's just trying to get through. Like so he's actually enjoying sh- enjoying himself and trying to show like and trying to um, show Liberty a good time.
0: Yeah, it's true.
1: So And now I have to also feel like, dang, Frank from six episodes ago or whatever it was, I guess they might become a couple. Yeah. And I have to say, I'm not that against it anymore.
0: <laughs> well, also, J- yeah. Well, JT has made growth in between. It's not like you're just, like, suddenly seeing the light, even though the light is fucked up. Like, you're just like, oh, okay, you know, maybe JT has the maturity at this point to not be an asshole to her. Yeah. So.
1: So. Less than thirty minutes in, that's our V that's plot.
0: Miraculous! It's like a record for us.
1: <laughs> well, that's the wrap. Well, it's just like nothing terrible was said. No yeah. homophobic, transphobic, racist, sexist slurs were said. It was just like, man, nah, it's just, it's just teens
2: being teens. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I, I mean, you know, just
2: we're teens.
0: It's true. Sometimes that's all Degrassi is. Sometimes it's just some weird teens. Um, I mean, I guess let's get to the next next thing. So this is where things get truly heavy. Um, And as a reminder, we're going to do A plot. And then when we get to what was the second episode, we'll get a little bit to the B plot. Um, So... We are taking a look. This is where most of the content warnings kick in, which is why I really want to be clear about, like, what we're about to do. Um, So Craig and Ashley are talking about finals. um, And as they're talking about it, Craig's kind of bemoaning um, science in particular. Like, he's really struggling with it. Um, He doesn't understand some of the concepts. And as he's talking about this with Ashley, Craig's dad kind of materializes, basically. Um, Yeah, he came out of nowhere. (laughs) Yeah. It's, like, really... Scary. I mean it's really scary if you've seen the episodes, but even out of context, you can I mean I don't know how much you gotta read on it, but like could you could you sense something was off? I feel like it was kinda obvious.
2: Oh no, yeah. Even if I didn't know what was going on, I was just like, This dad just showed up out of nowhere. <laughs> That's weird.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um I
2: didn't I didn't know that this was gonna be the plot of this episode because I think I remember you know, being like, "Oh, I'll talk about this episode with you guys," and then completely forgetting what the plot was. Mm-hmm. And then even before I knew what the plot was, I was like, "There's something off with this dad."
0: Yeah, yeah, you signed up for a real heavy one. Like, I was looking at the list, so I was like, "Well, I want, I like, you know, it's it's good. These heavy episodes are always good to have somebody else on them to help us through, basically."
1: My like. From the first uh, episode, we see him, and like he just set off some visual cues for me. Because I don't know if you've ever seen, either of you have ever seen this movie. He looks a lot like Michael Douglas from Falling Down.
0: No, I haven't seen that. No, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh. I
2: <laughs>
1: do not no, okay. do not worry. It is a terrible movie. Like it's about this. Like he's just kind of. It's like a very '90s film where this guy's stuck in LA traffic, and he just leaves his car. And he ends up going on, like, a killing spree. Isn't
0: that, like, based off oh, of a true story? I have.
2: I have seen I that movie. Possibly. He just, like, goes bonkers for, for whatever reason and just starts killing people. Yeah, I've seen
1: that. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the vibes I was getting from Craig's dad, Albert. Uh,
0: I feel like I saw a Criminal Minds episode with that very plot.
1: Yeah. Um.
0: Yeah, no, he he's just a very unsettling-looking dude. And, like... You know, he materializes and Ashley and Sean are with Craig. Um, and Ashley takes it as, like, you know, being she, she decides to be polite and, like, kind of offer her to shake his hand and things. Because Ashley, <clears throat> Ashley, even though she's, like, close with Craig, wasn't in his life when the When Doves Cry episodes really happened. Like, she was dealing with her own stuff. So she did not know very much about what's going on with Craig and his father and how he doesn't live with his father anymore because of his abuse, and et cetera, et cetera. Meanwhile, Sean does know and just spits, like, in his <laughs> general direction. I was just like, oh, Sean, <laughs> thank you.
1: Like, and he does, like... So he's like, oh, like... uh." He's like, I'm, you know, Mr. Manning, Ashley's like, I'm Ashley, he's like, and you are, and Sean, tr- like, it's not even, like, one of those, you know, like, hawking ho- like back and then spinning things, like, it's one of those, like, I'm just spinning on the ground with as little effort as possible.
0: Yeah, like, he doesn't even, <laughs> he's not even worth aiming at. Yeah. It's just, like, a good, like, I'm gonna be a little snot-nosed brat, so you don't have to, like, touch me, which I respect. Yeah. <laughs>
1: It's just like, my name's Sean, I hate you and everything you stand for.
0: <laughs> yeah, which, yeah, true. Um, so, Dad, what was the name that we used for him? Was it Fuckface that we called him last episode? Oh,
1: um. Oh, fuck. Give me, give me a second.
0: Okay, anyway. Not Shitheel. Shithead?
1: Not Shithead. Shit <laughs> shit no, it, it was a, I know it's a, A term I used for, like, a friend's boyfriend, which he, like, called her out on. That's when she knew he was reading her text.
0: Oh, shit.
1: Um, Oh, shit.
0: I didn't know that part.
1: Yeah. Give me a minute. Let me keep thinking about it. Anyway,
0: (laughs) regardless. This bad dad. This bad dad um, asks, you know, does Craig need a ride home? How about he takes him out for dinner? And Craig shuts him down. Um, and it's like very clear, like, you know, we we should not be talking to each other. We should not be together. Like, you know, this, this, is, this cannot happen. Um, and as the dad, you know, the dad leaves, Ashley checks in about it. And Ashley, who has no context, just kind of goes like, well, he seems nice. And Craig goes, well, he didn't have a belt in his hand. Shitlord. Shitlord. That was it. <laughs> yes, we did call him shitlord. Okay. Because I don't like calling him dad. It makes me feel weird. Shitlord. So when Shitlord leaves, like Ashley, you know, checks in about it and she just doesn't have context. Craig Craig then just straight up says, like, you know, well, you didn't have a belt in his hand. So. Um, Yeah. I was like,
2: oh, this is what we're doing. Okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's. I was like
2: unsettled at first and then I was like, oh, I immediately. I'm ready. All right. Let's do this.
0: Yeah. It's. It is very. I don't know. It's very interesting. I find Craig's character very interesting in. and I think these two episodes really show it how he is a very specific take on an abuse survivor, which is like very much like constantly trying to make sense of what he has gone through and feeling this anger and not fully feeling validated in it and trying to scramble to find a way to be heard and having varying degrees of success. So Yeah,
2: I like, I, like, tend to dislike a lot of uh, abuse stories, not necessarily because they're about abuse, but because, like, I don't know, it's hard for me to find ones that I feel very genuinely speak to the topic, but I will say that this, this episode had me kind of captivated because I was like, oh, like, this is a very realistic take on this kind of topic, especially with what happens later.
0: I agree wholeheartedly. And these episodes stuck with me a lot as I was growing up. Um, they really made me feel like, I mean, I think it's just like they, they they are very real and they are very painful and spoke to a lot of experiences that myself and some people I knew were going through in varying degrees. Um, and I feel like as I get older, I read more abuse narratives. I feel like I go back to this one more often than not, because it seems to be one of the more accurate ones, one of the realer ones that I have that I have seen.
1: Yeah, I remember you guys talking about it from the When Doves Cry episode, and um, oh. just, like, you know, the way, like, Shitlord makes sure not to leave any marks, and, like... At the very end, that just, like, knife-twisting line of, I don't abuse you. Yeah. Just completely denying everything that's going on.
0: Yeah, like, he's a very specific example of an abuser. Not to say that every abuser looks like this, but he's a very specific type. Um, He's a surgeon. He's somebody who's well, you know, has a positive impact on the community, um very easy to kind of cover up these kind of accusations cuz well he's he's uh he's a nice guy. I mean even then he comes in he's wearing a suit. He's wearing a, like you know he's wearing glasses. He looks you know
1: you don't professional
0: have,
2: looks put together.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: You like it which I actually kind of enjoy because like I feel like you always get the opposite like abuses um almost always classify it as, like, a lower-income thing. Yeah. Like, this is...
2: Yeah, you get, like, the poor, like, drunk dad in the wife feeder kind of shit all the time.
0: Yeah.
1: I, I, I just have something against the, that term for that article of clothing. Oh. <laughs>
2: um, yeah, you know.
1: Yeah. But, um, yeah, so this is, like... No, it's, like... It can be all strata, which is also terrible.
0: Yeah, I mean, it is, but it also, like, it speaks to, like, Craig's anger, but then also Craig's complication about this. This is his father. This is someone that, you know, he he cares about, and even though he has been hurt by him, he still feels... He's not really sure if it's obligation, if it's love, if it's whatever... And Sean asks, like, you know, you aren't actually going to go have dinner with him or anything, are you? And Craig is genuinely conflicted about if he wants to. Because um, we find out in the next scene that while he's living with Joey and Joey obviously cares about him, right now it's kind of stressful. Joey has a lot of responsibilities on his plate and the house is kind of suffering because of it. It's super messy. Um... It doesn't seem like Craig has very clear chores in the house. I mean, I'm not going to expect a teenage boy to just magically know what to do in the house. But, like, you know, I guess it's just Joey. Joey just doesn't know how to raise a teenager yet. He wasn't ready for it.
2: Yeah.
0: Angela is sick. Or rather, right now, Angela's just kind of moody, it looks like. She spills, like, orange juice during the scene and everything. She's just a kid. And this is a lot a huge undertaking for a single parent to take on, especially if he wasn't fully, you know, prepared to take in another child on top of everything else. And um, he asked, so Joey's just kind of like, you know, as this is happening, as the orange juice is falling on Craig's papers and things like that, he's like, you know, oh, can you, you need to help around the house? And Craig just says, well, I'll be at Sean's tonight. And, of course, that's unsettling because we know that the timeline is that the dad offered to have dinner with him the next day. This is the next day. Oh, God, Craig's definitely going to have dinner with his dad.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, uh, in science class, um, once again, we have a bunch of awful boys talking about uh, Mrs. Hasselakos' like, body, and it's just not great, but Craig tells him to shut up because he's trying to pay attention. Um, admittedly, I understand that pain because chemistry was one of my worst subjects.
0: Well, here's the thing. It's like, I'm very confused by this class that he's taking because he talks about noble (laughs) gases, which is definitely chemistry, but at one point he's talking about genetics, which is like, not in chemistry, I don't remember. Maybe I'm wrong. I think Canadian science, either either A, the writers don't know anything about science, or B, Canadian science is just entirely different from U.S. science.
1: Well, my thinking is that it's a final as opposed to, like, a um, quarterly.
0: Yeah, I just, I just remember taking, learning about genetics in an entirely different class, I guess is my thing.
1: I mean, yeah, I don't know. Um... Actually, I don't
2: remember anything about science at all. That's <laughs> so valid. I was like, you know what? Me too, Craig.
1: Oh, <laughs> actually, <laughs> I think there's one thing we all remember about science. And Gwen, if you want to uh, chime in also, mitochondria right.
0: is Hi, the, house the house of the cell. cell. <laughs> I love how Gwen, the PhD candidate, was saying it the most emphatically in the back. I have a pin of it. <laughs> it's true. Gwen does have a pin of it. Uh, science. Oh, boy. Anyway, so, um, Ashley checks in, well, it's just kind of, like, really tense. So, like, Spinner objectifies how Craig kind of snaps at him because he's trying to concentrate, and Marco's just like, what? Got you in a bad mood? Ashley checks in again, and then Craig says, like, you know, it's just that his dad and him don't have a really good relationship, and Ashley, in typical Ashley Kerwin, I need to control the narrative type of way, says, well, people can change. And, you know, he's just...
2: Yeah. She's just <laughs> it's a little more complicated than that.
0: Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, is, like, I was looking at this, and I I, I guess she just didn't take his line about the belt seriously? That's the only way I could read that. You no, know. yeah. Which is, like, kind of a horrible thing to... Realize, Yeah. But also could just speak to her, you know, her, you know, being naive about these types of situations. Could also speak to her obsession probably with, I don't know. Like, I mean, as you can tell, Alex, like, she's a resident goth girl. Like, she likes to write about yeah. really messed up stuff. And it's gotten her in trouble before because, like, she has tried to write about, like, sexual assault narratives, and Paige called her out on it as somebody who's actually been a survivor of it. So, like, I don't know what Ashley is reading at this point. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a lot of weird, messed up power dynamic and abuse stuff, because I know that's what I was reading at that age. I was gonna say,
2: she seems like your stereotypical, in that way, high school goth of, like, let me just, like, dive into the most fucked up stuff. And especially when you like you're not a part of that. Yeah, so I've definitely had kids in my class who were like, "Let's write about self harm," and they never really dealt with that, <laughs> and you know stuff like that. Where it's like, okay, like you're just a teen trying to be a little edgy. I get it.
0: Yeah, like, that's how it reads to me, the whole entire thing. Like, it just reads to me that, like, she has, like, read abuse narratives and probably has read abuse narratives where the abuser apologizes or makes grand gestures or something like that and has a redemption arc. Not that they deserve the redemption arc, but, like, she has read the redemption arc. So to her, maybe she heard that line of, like, Craig said about the belt and was just kind of like, well, you know. Yeah, it's
2: hard when you're not... ...a part of that, too.
0: Exactly. It, it's, it's incredibly difficult. And when you're that young, like, she's in ninth grade at this point.
1: Yeah, I mean, I remember back in the day reading a lot of fan fiction that, like, romanticized... Oh, yeah. ...abuse narratives like that.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, like, even, like... Oh, yeah, for sure. I was talking with um, Eric about this a couple days ago. Friend of the show, Eric. Talking about, like, how back, you know, when we were younger one of the only like boys love type series you could get legally was like gravitation, <laughs> which is horrendous as an adult mm-hmm. and deep with yeah. abuse and deep with like unhealthy relationship dynamics and things like that, but was being published and legitimated as your only option of like, other than fate, be which better. I never read.
2: And then you fall into like a hole of like finding more stuff like that. Cause you're like, I guess this is it.
0: Yeah.
1: Wasn't I? I remember Lovelace being printed when I was younger, and didn't that have a lot of weird stuff? Oh,
0: Lovelace is. Loveless. Loveless
2: is a is a time.
0: It's <laughs> it's grim.
2: I. It's that's a lot. I mean, I will give Lovelace one thing in that I like was very very into the the gay women of it, but they were side characters as opposed to the huge age gap, weird, like, 12-year-old boy and, like, 30-year-old man thing going
0: on. Yeah, it's, it's, (laughs) Loveless is, (laughs) it's real rough.
1: I admittedly did steal a concept from that manga for a manuscript I was writing, and I'm not gonna try and get this published ever, but, um... It was, like, the idea of, like... Because I, I remember, like, after you lost your virginity, you lost your cat ears in Loveless. Yes. So my yeah. idea was, like, what if you had a fully functioning pair of wings? And, like, but once you lost your virginity, you lost your wings. And I was just like... Because, like, it's was like... The ears thing is just aesthetic. What if it served an actual purpose? Yeah. So it's more like a young adult sci-fi thing, but then... My sister duly pointed out, like, there's a lot of purity imagery there that I don't think you want to deal with or, like, want to get into. I was like, yeah, that's a good point.
0: (laughs) Yeah, thanks, Susie. Thanks, Susie, for uh, stopping that one.
1: Yeah. Like, but, I I mean, I didn't think of it that way. I was just like, because, like, my main thing is when I was younger, I wanted to fly. Yeah. So I was like... Uh, oh yeah,
0: for sure. Like, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like that also kind of re- but that also reflects like Ashley and her perspective to a certain extent, where it's like you you didn't exactly experience it, so you weren't thinking about it in that way. Yeah. So
2: Yeah, for
0: sure. Yeah, and we have this idea at,
2: kid, you just you just you're into this stuff and you're not thinking about like the deeper repercussions of it.
0: Exactly. Cause like also like Ashley <laughs> Ashley's situation as a reminder, like she dealt with she has dealt with her parents getting a divorce and her dad being gay. That is rough, but her dad loves her. Her mom loves her. Her stepdad clearly is making things work and seems to be like, you know, nice enough to her. We don't have too many one-on-one interactions with them really, but like the family is functioning in a way that is is good. Yeah. So for all intents and purposes, like we see her and seeing like a father figure and things like that as like a positive thing and like that's okay. So I do appreciate that she is kind of this, she she just doesn't understand. And I think that happens a lot, even in adulthood, when you're trying to talk about your parents and trying, like, somebody who is a survivor of abuse and stuff like that, like, trying to be like, look, like, I don't talk to my family. I don't, I can't talk to my family. And then being like, well, that's not nice. Like, you should honor your mother and father. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so no, I feel, that's why, like, this episode was so interesting to me, because I am, both a person who has uh, been abused by a really, really alcoholic stepdad and my biological father passed away. So I'm like, ah, two birds, one stone with this one.
0: Oh, oof. Yeah.
2: (laughs) So I was like, okay, cool, I got this one. Um, But that's kind of also why I like this episode because, like I said, usually when I look at this kind of stuff, I just don't think it's as realistic as it could be. And then mm. with this episode, I was like, okay, like, I get a lot of these depictions. Like, I can feel a lot of this stuff. Yeah. I understand it.
0: Yeah, like, there's... I, I feel <coughs> like when Degrassi hits its stride, when it handles episodes like this and they handle them well, it reminds me a lot of, like, how I feel. Like, my positions as a writer, especially with YA and stuff like that, like, you can talk about these types of topics. I never want to suggest that you can't, but you do need to have a, a, a skill set that can talk about it in a way like this episode. Like you want to be able to have the characters have development and be individuals and be able to do things and talk about it in a way that feels real and feels (coughs) authentic that, people who have gone through these experiences can can you know look at it and maybe not be comfortable watching it but still be like okay that's 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 it like that okay that's solid um yeah for
2: sure
0: yeah like that's that's how it has like I feel like that's how it has to be especially when you are a show like this you have an obligation and you have said yourself you have this obligation to have youth see different perspectives that maybe exist in their classroom or exist in their family or exist in their friend group and they just don't realize it. So, good on them. As, yeah. as much as it hurts. So, the next time we see the plot, Craig is getting off the bus and he's walking toward a hospital, which we know is his fa- the hospital his father works at. And, oof, this one really hurt because it's like, Craig is watching his dad in the hospital. It's super busy. He's talking to a patient. He's saying, like, you know, how, you know, he's in, you know, how he's going to make sure that she's okay through the surgery process and everything. And, you know, he just is having really good bedside manner. And Craig is seeing that and and seeing him be good and seeing him be a good person. And this complication kind of continues because... His father is a surgeon. that is a big deal. He you know he's entrusted with cutting people open and sewing them back together, hopefully in a better condition. like it's it's a big deal and a big responsibility and you can tell it's a source of pride of sorts for him, especially as the scene continues. And as he's there, like a nurse approaches him and asks him about boarding school.
1: Uh, just for yeah references Craig. Oh
0: yeah, sorry, Craig. Thank you. Sorry. That's no, okay. So like as Craig's watching this, he's asked about boarding school. Um, and he's kind of confused at first. He's like, What do you mean? And then he realizes that, oh, this was the cover his father was coming up with. So he kinda like rolls with it and, and says, like, oh, like, you know, I'm just surprising him, blah, 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 blah. And and lets the lie kind of continue for a little longer.
2: Yeah.
0: And then of course yeah, that was weird. I was like, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, it it makes I, it makes enough sense to me as a viewer. I do understand if you, like, have it, if you kind of jumped into it, it's a little confusing, but it is true. Like, how do you explain that your son is not with you anymore?
2: Oh, yeah, I totally get it. Yeah. I totally get, like, being, like, a uh, boarding school a because boarding you don't want to bring in, of course abuse or any of that situation yeah but for sure it's still also like <laughs> oh that's what my dad said okay
0: yeah exactly um and of course like the nurse lays it on thick how like like you know like the dad kind of sees him and smiles at him and all that type of stuff and as he's like getting ready the nurse is like oh like you know <laughs> this is the first time he smiled in months like oof <laughs> <sighs>
1: <I'm... laughs> yeah it's
0: just, Ugh. Well, there's a part, it's interesting, because I feel like some people would be like, oh, is this laying it on thick? I would argue it's not at all. I think it's just the complicated relationship that you have if you live with your abuser and they're your parent. Like, I think that's a very real moment that, like, really... Yeah. Like, people, I don't think people realize how much they talk about parents and how they characterize parents and how great parents are and family is until, like, you are a survivor of it and you're, like, having to listen to it or somebody very close to you is. It's, like, you really don't realize how much you assume people have good parents until, like, someone yeah, in your life doesn't.
2: like, really try to sell all parenting like that as opposed to realizing, like, not every family situation is good.
0: Yeah, like, even, like, Gwen and I, like, we're you know we we're grabbing something at Wawa on like Christmas and the guy at the at, like the front was just like oh like I hope you have a good time with your family And like he did like a weird little cover-up line to like if you didn't like he was like oh but if not well I like your sweater like it was kind of <laughs> like one of those moments but it was also like like the assumption uh. is still yeah right like the assumption is still oh it's the holidays, so clearly you have, like, people to go to that are good yeah. to you. And it's it's rough. It's rough.
1: I mean, still family. just might not be blood family.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. It's true. Like, I, I have, you know, I have folks that I'm very close to and I consider, like, family at that point. But I don't think when people say that they expect you to be visualizing your family as your found family.
1: Yeah. Um
0: so then we go to dinner
1: yeah um shit lord is asking craig about like how school going and like craig's saying it's just tough with exams he's like is "Science, still your subject he's like yeah he's like i can help you study for it
0: um craig also asks him about the boarding school lie um and you know, his Dad just kind of explains that you know it's what he had to do to kind of cover the situation and then affirms with Craig that he's getting better. So like he's saying that you know he's going to anger management and things like that, and that he feels like he he might be like you know he's he's not convinced that Craig's living situation is the best for him. He feels that you know, Craig should go home where he's better supported um. And how, like, being with Joey was, like, a temporary solution for his dad to kind of get back on track.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, here's, here's the thing about this that I find very interesting and that I liked how they kind of addressed in this episode. Is that, like, I don't... I don't disbelieve that you can't, like, become a better person and, like get the therapy and help you need to recover and like be a good person but I also the I guess like one of the things that really stuck to me as realistic especially in this episode is that like parents especially those kind of a parent um tend to believe like I am better now everything is okay and my child must love me again as opposed to like gradually easing back into a relationship. Yeah. And so for a lot of this I was like, "Oh, yikes." Like, yeah, good on you. You're getting anger management. That's good. Like you're you're trying. But like throughout this whole episode and the next, it's been a lot of like, "Yikes, dude, you got to you got to let it breathe for like a second.
0: <laughs> yeah, he very much craves normalcy without understanding that what they had was not a healthy normal and fails to understand that like if he wants to do this right assuming he even had the capacity to do it 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 has to look entirely different and Craig has to have autonomy during it like you can see that shitlord is trying desperately to chip away at his autonomy at Craig's autonomy in the process and trying to get back under his get him back under his control
2: Yeah, I found that interesting, because, like, I definitely, just on, like, a personal note, have definitely dealt with that, too, of the, well, I'm getting better, so why isn't it all automatically good again, as opposed Mm -hmm. to, like, well, you gotta let people heal and focus on themselves and get to a point where, like, they can be good so that you can both try to be good to each other, but it's hard.
0: Exactly. So, so the dinner happens. um, Craig, you know, they establish that dad offers to help him with science. When Craig returns, everything's kind of a mess. Uh, Angie has a fever, so that's a nightmare. Um, And Joey says, like, he needs help at the home. And, like, where was Craig? Why is he so late? Um, And it's just this very tense exchange between the two of them.
1: It it felt so real. Yeah, it did. It felt like... I've had that conversation with my parents before. Yeah.
0: But it does have that added layer of probably that fear that Craig always feels when things escalate. Like, oh, God. Like, okay, are you... What are you going to do? Are you going to hit me, too? Like, what are you going to do here?
1: Yeah. And that was the thing. Like, even yeah. when, like, Joey yells at... Or, like, you know, speaks to him at the beginning after Angie spills her orange juice, it's he doesn't yell no. Like, I'm kind of, I don't know. I, part of me wonders if, like, Joey knows enough to be like, I shouldn't be yelling at this kid, he's had enough of it.
0: I think the thing is, is like, yeah, I think it's a mix of that, but also, like, Joey, Joey is very frazzled right now, but I wouldn't characterize his constant mood as angry. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he's very frazzled, he's very overwhelmed, and I think that's very obvious in the way that he acts. The only time we've seen him, I think, truly angry outside of being angry about the situation that Craig is in, was when Craig stole, stole a car. car.
1: <laughs> Which, to be fair,
0: that warrants
1: yeah some volume.
0: <laughs> yeah, that
1: <laughs> and and like, but even then, like Joey's punishment was you stole a car to like get these tickets that you shouldn't have gotten in the first place. You don't get the tickets.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't hitting him or shoving him doing anything like that. It was just, okay, you don't get the fun thing that you won that you didn't actually pay money for anyway.
1: Yeah. Um, and, like, you know, like, this is, and I feel like this is also another intersecting, like, lives intersecting without knowing everything that's going on, because, like... Yeah, Craig is stuck in a very hard place, but so is Joey. Yeah. Joey has a 7-year-old who's now sick and like has a full-time job as a 7-year-old and now a teenager that I've i still kind of say like to be fair, he doesn't have that much responsibility for. No. But he still brought him in when the ki- like when Craig needed help. Yeah. So like what
0: the
1: fuck? You know. Something
0: okay?
2: Uh, Yeah, no, I literally just, like, clicked something, and it just started playing, I was like, what's going on? (laughs) Sorry.
0: It's okay.
1: (laughs) Come on. Was it a live journal from 2002? (laughs) I was like, (laughs) ah. Welcome to my live journal. Here's my chemical romances. I'm not okay, I promise, at full volume.
2: (laughs) You're gonna autoplay for you. Just for you. (laughs)
1: Where's the media player? I don't know where I put it. You find it. You find it.
2: Um, I hate
1: it. Anyway, um... So, yeah. So, Craig starts cleaning up. Because he's... After he's like, I need to study for my exams. He starts cleaning up. Um, and then we enter yet another super stressful scene.
0: Yeah, so Craig... In the next scene, Craig is at the, um... At the, uh... Sorry, Gwen is leaving, so I'm, like, half-distracted. Bye, Gwen. Bye. (laughs) Bye. Bye, Alex. But, um, so the next time we see the scene, uh, we see Craig at the door of his father's house, which we know the house by now, so, like, as soon as we saw the house, I'm like, oh, shit. Okay. Um, and his father opens up, and his father is very enthusiastic about the premise, about Craig's offer, or his offer, Whatever, Craig asks him to help him with science, so his dad's really excited and takes him in. Um, and the study session seems to be going really well um, until he offers Craig a drink. Craig puts it on the table, and Craig's dad makes a very dis- like you know condescending comment about um, using a coaster.
1: And then Craig has a um, flash of his father. Taking off his belt and swinging it at him, and I I want to give props to whoever directed and edited this episode because it's like, it's like a horror movie where they removed mm-hmm. frames of motion, and like it just like his dad is suddenly on him, yeah, and it's terrifying.
0: It really is it. It goes back to some of those more horrifying elements of when Doves cry, where like. It, it was just so unsettling and upsetting because of the way that they showed it and the way the directorial decisions that they made during it. Um, and so he's he's just absolutely, like, Craig is just absolutely, like, startled by this whole entire thing. Um, but the next time we see him, it's actually school. Hasselakos is letting kids in to work on their finals. Craig and Ashley go in. Um... Ashley looks over at Craig during the exam, Craig is working pretty confidently through it, they smile at each other, things are looking okay, and then much like how JT comes out of the exam feeling super confident, Craig also comes out feeling super confident, and in the process of feeling super triumphant about everything, he asks if Ashley wants to go to the dance with him. As they're leaving the building, dad appears in a car. Shitlord appears in a car. Um, and he's like, well, I just wanted to check in about the test.
1: And calls Ashley Allison.
0: Yes. Yeah, it's true. Um, <laughs> so Craig says, like, you know, he's feeling pretty good about it. And his dad offer, uh shitlord offers to um, get, like offers him to have like dinner at a really nice bistro. And Craig points out that no, he has to babysit Angela. So like He's not going to be able to do it, but, um, his, his, like, shitlord's insistent and says, like, you know, I'll just push it off. Like, let me, you know, get out when you can. I'll set it for, like, around 830 so we can have, like, a late evening, but we can still celebrate it. Once again, going, operating on his timeline, right? Like, we're talking about how, like, he he is not making any effort to let Craig come around or Craig begin to feel comfortable with the situation. He's trying to pull him into the situation. Yeah, Yeah,
2: he's just like, hey, okay, but we are doing this. And it's just like, you can't, all right, (laughs) sure.
0: Yeah, so
2: the next- Yeah, it gets into that whole, like, this is how I'm going to make it up to you, and you're going to come so that I can make it up to you.
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs)
2: Like, your kid's having, like, PTSD flashbacks, maybe chill out.
0: (laughs) Yeah, right? Like- it's just, you can see how this dynamic has existed for many, many years at this point. And how his father does not understand, like, why it has to change ever. Yeah. Um, so they go, the next scene we see, it's Angela and Craig. Craig is probably, like, need for speed. <laughs> um, Angela is trying to get him to, play, to read a book to her. Um, she, like, her fever has become just, like, chicken pox. So poor thing is covered in spots. Um, Craig tells her to kind of count them as he calls up the phone, as he, as, uh, he talks to Joey on the phone. Joey explains that he's going to be a little later than anticipated because he's trying to make a deal, like, he's trying to sell a car. He feels like they're actually going to buy it. It's really exciting for him. Um, but, um, so he's going to be about an hour late. And then go to Shitlord, who is waiting at the bistro.
1: And he's very clearly growing more impatient. He snaps yes. at the waitress, and I'm just like, oh, how's all your magic working out for you, asshole? Mm hmm.
0: Craig um, runs into the bistro. Um, he kind of, you know, he sits in. His father tries to um, kind of roll with it as best as he can, considering who he is as a person. Um, and what he does is to celebrate the end of the school year and Craig doing well in science and all that type of stuff, he gives Craig a plane ticket to England.
1: Yeah, another bribe. <laughs> yeah,
0: so he... Yeah, also
2: really weird. Yeah. Super weird. I, I mean, was like, oh, dude.
1: I mean, we've seen, like... We've seen this behavior before from Shitlord, where, like, he kicked Craig so hard, he broke Craig's camera, and then gave him enough money to buy a digital one. Yeah. So, he's such an asshole.
0: He really is.
1: Um... So, yeah, um, and he points out that, like, he starts making fun of Joey and Ashley, and says Craig will settle for less than he... than he deserves, and, like, that environment is unstable, and then Craig...
0: But well, that, that, what he says, though, it's, like, it's awful. It's, like, settle with your little goth girl, like, grow up and own a car dealership, like, it's, like, it's nasty.
1: Yeah. Um, and, but, like, and then, uh, Craig says, no, your, your place is the only place, no, Joey's is the only stable place. And, um, Alex, uh, the... In the, and when Doves Cry, like the reason, one of the reasons out, uh, Shitlord hates Joey so much is that Joey, um, his wife left him for Joey. And, uh, like, okay. he's mm-hmm. just like, I'm a surgeon. I'm like this person of abhorrence. He's just a car dealer.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of classism in his reasoning for his disdain toward Joey.
1: Yeah, like, there was this whole point, pl- up uh, there was this whole plot line where, like, Angela and, um, Craig are half siblings and he wanted to have a relationship yeah. with Angela, but like he knew if his father found out he would be like, that's was it was. He was going to be beaten. Um, and you know, so, uh, Oh yeah. So if, a lot
2: of history there.
1: Yeah. If, if those two episodes are just so jarring. Um, <laughs> so Craig, uh, Shitlord storms out, um, because he doesn't want to make a scene here. Uh, Craig shoves him, and then Shitlord punches him full in the face.
0: Yeah, he, like, hits the ground. Craig, like, hits the ground from this impact.
1: And he must be wearing a ring, because, like, he cuts Craig's cheek.
0: Yeah. I'm pretty sure he is, so.
1: And then Craig just, um, I have the line. Oh, God. I have the line pulled up. He starts, he starts pulling away like um a shitlord calls craig a screw up again um and to which craig yells no dad you're the one who screws up it won't change ever
0: and and craig is physical during this like he slams his hands on the window of the car he's screaming into the car um as he's saying this like just a lot of emphasis on that and I I feel like I feel as, as much as it hurts to watch Craig react this way, I feel like there's something to be said about seeing a survivor get angry. I think a lot of media doesn't like shies away from that. They usually go for, like, the sad survivor archetype. Or if they're angry, it's like, oh, they, like, destroy a car or something like that. And that's kind of the extent of their anger. But to see how... Yeah,
2: they don't really lash back too much there. Yeah,
0: exactly. Like, they'll lash back at, 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 like, an inanimate object. But, like, Craig, we see how this... This has impacted him so much. Number one, he'll snap at his friends if he's really stressed out about it. Which I appreciate seeing. But number two... We see him lash out against against his abuser and, a, and in a way that is angry in a way that is violent back and I I as much once again, it hurts I I don't like watching a character I'm quite fond of go through this, but in the grand scheme of like abuse narratives and finding a range of abuse narratives that I can actually like look at and see them as done solidly, like, this is one of the ones I think of because they're not afraid to have Craig be angry and show his anger.
1: Yeah. Um, so, like, Shitlord pulls a very dangerous U-turn. Yeah. Leaving Craig just upset on the sidewalk. Um, Craig heads home, um...
0: Joey, like, scopes him out and goes, like, hey, like, you were back kind of early. Because he's under the impression Craig was just hanging out with friends. It's the summer. That's normal. So he comes back. Because ultimately, if, you know, it probably wasn't more than, like, 45 minutes, I would assume. Um, he's just kind of like, hey, what happened? And Craig then just goes, oh, like, I got into a fight with my dad. And turns around. And you can see, like, the cut on his cheek left from the ring. I'm going to assume that's the ring. Yeah. Um. And Joey says that, you know, we'll call the police. And Craig says, like, you know, I don't want to call the police. I want to call Children's Aid, which is, like, the, you know, like, the, like, Jersey is, like, DCPNP, like, the, your Department of, like, Child Safety, basically.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, we're seeing, it's interesting because we've had two episodes now where two characters want to go to a more legal like, legal measures against their abusers, which is interesting.
1: I think it's probably to show that, like, yeah, you know, like, sh- like when doves cry is, like, how you deal with it on a personal level. Yeah. This is how you're suppo- like, this is how you deal with it on a legal level.
0: It all- Yeah, I- and I appreciate that, too, because I think that helps your viewers see the situation, especially if, like, whether they're going through it themselves or know people who are going through it or what just don't know and just don't have exposure to it, it helps you understand the process, right? Where it's like, okay, there is just getting out of this situation. Obviously that's very important, but that doesn't mean that you are away from your abuser forever. It doesn't mean that you're going to you can't get sent back to your abuser. Like you do have to yeah. go through that. You have to go through those legal measures if you want to make sure you are truly separated from them; they can't get to you. Which even then may not may not solve it. Even then, after getting the legal, going through the legal process, it may not be one hundred percent, but it will be a better guarantee than you living, you know, on the other side of town.
1: Yeah. We're we gonna say something, Alex. Oh no.
2: I'm okay. In the halls, cause my throat is dying.
1: Okay. Um. So. Uh, Jimmy says we'll talk oh, about... J- Joey. Excuse me. Joey says we'll talk about it in the morning.
0: Well, like, Craig says, like, he just hates his dad so much. Yeah. And it's like, I also, I feel like this portrayal moves me because there's something to be said about just seeing a character just say, I hate my abuser. There's no ambiguity. It's... I hate them like having a character just straight up say that is so big to me because I feel like especially when it comes to parents and this this episode does touch upon the complications of when your abuser is a parent etc etc but the fact that we do have moments where he does say like no I don't like you know he sucks is really important to me as somebody who as a survivor like went through a similar, like, you know, trying to make sense of that. And then once I was able to articulate, like, I hate this person. A lot of the time I was told, like, you don't hate them. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It comes back to that, uh, like, oh, they're your parent. Or, like, yeah. oh, like, you know, they're some, like, they're your family. So, like, you can't, you can't, like, hate them that much. And it's like, no, like, you are allowed to just... Like, if someone treats you poorly, you are allowed to just genuinely not like them. It exactly. doesn't matter how they're related to you.
0: Exactly. And Joey doesn't deny how he feels. Like, he doesn't say, like, you don't mean it or anything like that. But what he does say is, like, you know, like, let's go to bed. We'll talk about it in the morning. We'll go to Children's Aid. Like, we'll figure out the Children's Aid stuff. Like, he's not denying anything or discrediting anything. But he also understands that, like, probably nothing good can come of this this late at night.
1: Oh. So... And, and also, like, it's better to come up with a plan where you're clear-headed and have some sleep in you.
0: Exactly. So, when Craig wakes up, Joey's making a grocery list. He checks in to make sure Craig is serious about children's aid. But then the door... Then somebody knocks on the door.
1: Craig makes a little joke about, like, he's like... I, I, I just want to... Because, like, he had had um, Angie count her uh, chicken pox before. And Angie's like, oh, I'm down to
0: 13! Yeah.
1: And... Uh, Joey's like, do you have anything this list? And he's like, can I get a steak for my cut eye?
0: Yeah, like he's making a joke about the situation and stuff. and
1: Probably deflecting from what he has to do. Oh,
0: 100%. Um, and then Joey is talking to police. He's clearly getting some heavy news. Craig can't really hear anything. All you really hear during that moment is Angie counting the spots, really. Um, and then... Sorry. Joey, you know, Joey comes, like, you know, sends the police officers out, um, sends Angie up to her room, and, you know, Craig's like, well, what's going on? Like, is my dad calling the police now? Like, what's what's up with this? And Joey just says, like, look, there was an accident, and your dad didn't make it.
1: Yep.
0: And Craig has tears in his eyes, but, like, his face is just flat.
1: It's... I've forget what this the actor's name is but he just kills this episode it's like
0: jake epstein
1: i'll look i'll look it up um so then that's it for the first part
0: yeah um then the second episode picks up with some rando talking about the luau dance thing um and I, th- I
1: think it's sully
0: is it oh my god you're right it looks like sully i think you're right um, he's talking about the dance. It's kind of reminding you of the time frame that we're working with in this episode. Snake.
1: You're right, it is Jacob's thing.
0: Okay. Yeah, no, he's a great, he's a great child actor. I'm really impressed by him. Um, so as he's talking about that whole entire thing, um, he finishes up the announcement, Snake turns it off and talks to talks to the kids and is like, look, like, you know, um, Craig's dad died, he's gonna be out for the rest of the term.
1: Did either of you get an announcement like this when you were younger? Because I don't...
0: Yeah,
2: that's... I... I sorry, not to uh, interrupt you, but I no, was no, no, also no, go for exactly it. the same thing. I was like, is this a thing that classrooms do? I have no idea.
0: I... I have never seen one that formal. Yeah. I have seen, like, what usually happens for teachers, we usually get an email... If like a major loss has happened, so like the staff will get an email, or like the staff who have the student will get an email saying like you know so and so's like father passed away, like you know if 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 they appear to need support, like you know feel free to redirect them to the guide to guidance, like you know just if they need to leave the room, let them leave the room, that type of stuff.
1: Yeah, because um, um, my <laughs> grandmother and. A woman who, like I, lo- you know, was just one of the kindest people I ever knew. My aunt Flora passed away. Been like, I think like four days of each other, and oh, I gosh. still went to school, but yeah. I, I couldn't do anything. I just kept crying all the time,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and <laughs> my algebra teacher, who was kind of like pretended to be a hard ass, but like, was, um... um, like. In my school, we had these things called the A classes and the B classes. A classes was more like you're going to college or whatever. B classes was just, like, your standard stuff. Mm-hmm. Like So, the A was to the advanced classes. Like, I got transferred there in the middle of a term right before an exam. And I was like, hey, I wasn't here for most of this. What am I supposed to do? And he just looked at me. He's like, tough. I'm like, okay. But, like, then he then came then he came up to me later. He's like, hey, just... What they did to you was unfair. Do your best. Whatever you get, I'll bump it up to an 84. <laughs> like, wow. You know. And I, 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 after he gave me that little pep talk, I studied my ass off. Because I was like, you're going to, like, go that a little extra mile for me. Like, I'm going to do my best. And like, my dad and I studied an algebra chapter a, a morning.
0: Mm-hmm. So I had, like,
1: five days and did five chapters. Oh, wow. Um... <laughs> But, like, he came up to me, like, I just had my head on my desk, and he came up to me and just was like, I heard what happened. If you need to go, just go. Yeah. Like, um, but, like, the thing is, I relate a lot to Craig because, like, I would be crying at one moment. I'd be happy at another moment. Like, my emotions were just so out of control because, yeah. like, my body just could not handle this much grief.
0: Yeah, and, like, that's very, I feel like that's very normal for when i've had students going through that like i i've had a couple students go through like a major loss during the school year um i was notified by somebody by guidance or by the principal depending on the situation and like you know you all you can do is just kind of be there for the student but i have never made an announcement about it. I've never been instructed to make an announcement about it. I've never thought that that was necessarily what the student... Like, unless the student explicitly was like, hey, I feel like shit, but I think people should know, can you say this? Like, I would not say it.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's why I was like, uh, is this a thing?
0: <laughs> yeah, and it's like, it's weird, because, like, I could almost understand that Snake feels the need to say it because Craig is close to a lot of the kids in that class in particular. But even then, that's, that's not his thing to tell
1: yeah i i think it was just done for dramatic effect
0: i think so too um which is kind of a shame i feel like it's one of the weaker parts of the episode because i feel like when when loss happens like your friends have a way of finding out a lot of the time in some way or another maybe you tell one person but then that person feels like like ashley he could have told ashley and then ashley felt entitled to that information and felt entitled to telling everyone about it
1: yeah, I mean, you also get a lot of shots of Sean just staring at him incredulous.
0: Yeah. Like. Yeah.
1: Because I think Sean, we can classify him as Craig's closest friend right now.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Um, But yeah, Snake makes this announcement. Marco asks, like, you know, was, was Craig involved? Like, Craig involved in the accident at all? Snake says no. Which, once again, like. I feel like there's a lot of information they know right now that, like, I feel like when things like this happen, especially if we're assuming this is, like, literally hours after the accident happened, like, like, that's a lot. I mean, I guess maybe the news would report it or, like, local news would say something about it, but, like, this, they, Snake knows a lot of information considering what has just
1: happened. Joey.
0: He doesn't know Joey. That's true. He's friends with Joey, so Joey might have sent him a text. Okay, fine. Fair enough.
1: Or, Or or just called a spike and just been like, "Hey, uh, you're pretty good. At, you're a lot better at parenting than, like, Spike mm-hmm. or Snake Eye. Or Can you just give me a heads up on what the fuck do I do right now?" Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. But um, regardless, as they're talking about it, Ashley's saying that she's gonna collect flowers, Craig walks in and it's just like you know, everyone's just kind of staring at him, very confused, and he's just like, "Well, hey, what's up?" Um. Then we move to unless you have something specific you want to add.
1: Well I was gonna say this might be a good place to get into our C plot.
0: Yeah, because we get um we get more of the dance stuff. Yeah. People are working on their mural for it.
1: Um and while they're working on the mural page, like ever like a sweetheart gives uh, Ashley some money for the for the flowers for Craig.
0: Yeah, and, like, she's watching it. She's, like, catching Radish talking to Craig. And Radish is, like, trying to explain to Craig, like, you know, you don't have to be here. You can go home. Like, we're not obligating you to be in school. Which is also something that does happen. Like, in circumstances like this, a lot of the time, teachers will... Depending on the circumstance, I have put in a grade as incomplete. And the kid has completed, like, a project and turned it in at a later point. Or um sometimes you'll just average what the grade is outside of the final especially if it's like this where it's like oh he's only missing the final he's not missing any other assignment you might just average that and then give it as his score depending on the school's policies so like him being like hey like craig you don't have to go to school is very realistic um paige sees it and she's very affected by it um Ashley is talking to Terry and talking about how she wants to do more, but Terry points out, like, you know, there isn't very much you can do. And Terry's speaking from her personal experience because she lost her mom a couple years back. So she's just kind of like, you know what, like, he's got to kind of work this out on his own. This isn't really your place. But, of course, Ashley wants it to be your place because that's just Ashley's character flaw at this point.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, we so... We come up with nicknames for a lot of people. I do now have one for Terry. Yes. Uh, Everybody's friend, Terry.
0: It's true. She does desperately want to be everybody's friend.
1: Well, no, I I don't even mean that, like, Terry wants to be everybody's friend. I mean that, like, when you... She just is. Yeah. Like, when the chips are down, you turn to Terry.
0: It's true. It's true. And, like, she is... She does pose a good point. Like, you know, as much as you want to be the hero in somebody's life, especially when they go through something traumatic ultimately the best thing you can do is just be a body for when they need to talk to somebody or they need to turn to somebody, but you can't force that. Yeah. Even if you are close to that person.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and Paige, is goes back to Paige, and Paige is, this is where really this this other B-plot truly kicks in, because Paige is talking about how she's going to go tan, how, like, she's asking Hazel, do I look different? <laughs> and Hazel's like, what the fuck? And Paige is just like, I went tanning! And <laughs> Hazel's just like,
1: uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> there are other things going on, Paige.
0: <laughs> well, it's just, it also, like, really made me remember what it was like being a kid during this time period, because I remember, like, everybody yeah. going tanning before every major dance. So many orange people. Yeah. Um. I
2: I was not a thing.
0: Oh, yeah. This is, like, probably more of a Jersey thing, but it appears to also maybe yeah. be a Canadian thing. Because you gotta remember remember where, where we're based out of. Like, it was so common for people to, like, get, like, a little, like, tan, like, a short-term tanning subscription, really. Like, lining it up very strategically how long it would take for them to get color lining up with the dance.
2: Wow. Yeah, we didn't have that near like at all in my like school history but I guess Baltimore is very different in its own way
0: oh yeah yeah it's it was like a very yeah it was just Jersey like I feel like it was such a Jersey thing I understand why Canada would have it because like people would be like oh it's always cold I need like if you're light-skinned you're like oh I need color on me because I'm never in the sunlight but like in Jersey it was just like I mean, it's still a thing. Like, yeah, it's still, it's still a still. There's
1: so many tanning <laughs> salons. There's a tanning salon at my gym. Like that's so funny.
0: Um, but right yeah,
1: ne- right next to the massage beds where the uh, the staff sleep at four in the morning.
0: Oh, good to know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Paige is like she's gonna go tanning. She really wants to be. King and queen with spinner, like the luau king and queen.
1: She has a plan to to like work the electorate by getting all the seventh, eighth, and ninth graders to vote for her.
0: Yeah, like she's really trying trying to. And Hazel is just like you know, this is gonna be a really hard thing for you to try and win. Um, but you know, they keep going.
1: And, and Page is like, this will solve a lot of other people's problems as well.
0: <laughs> yes, in typical Page fashion. Um, whatever. I love her. I I can't even. I can't even. Um, I just love her. I'm sorry.
1: Do, do, actually, I kind of now, like, now that we're talking about it, I do want to just, like, wrap up this C plot just, like, yeah. super quick. Um, Jimmy and Spinner are still not friends. Like,
0: Jimmy's making a lot of comments about stealing stuff, which, I mean, makes sense. If my iPod was stolen by my friend and I found out he was pet buying, like, you know, he was trying to sell it for cash, I would also be pretty mad and petty about it. Oh, that would happen. <laughs> yep. To Sully. I
2: all, I, all I thought was like, oh, there's finally Drake, here we go. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, you stole things, and I was like, what's happening? But, okay.
0: It's true, Spinner did. To Sully. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, and he had two really great lines in that um, episode.
0: Oh, yeah, you did. It was, it was rough. But, um, so, like, they're, like, they're also, like... It's just really dirty, taunting, too. Like, you know, Jimmy starts mocking Spinner and, like, Spinner's endeavors toward being king. So what he decides to do is he decides to tear toward the cafeteria where he sees Hazel. He's like, hey, Hazel, let's go to the dance together. Let's go be Luau king and queen. It's going to be great. And Hazel's like, Paige is already doing that. Like, why? Why are we we making more of a competition? Um, And he's like, don't you want to step out? Like, don't you want to step into the spotlight? Don't you want to do this? And then, like, he's just like, I mean, I guess. And then Toby puts them into the database for the potential couples for Luau King and Queen.
1: I actually thought this scene was cute because, um, like, he's, um, next to him is his girlfriend, Kendra. Yeah. Uh, Spinner's sister. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, and Kendra makes him come like, who could care about this? And Toby says, that's why I love you. And then realizes what he just said, and I think we've all encountered this at one time or another.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure.
1: Um, and Kendra, I really, I just thought it was a really cute scene between the two of them because Kendra doesn't say anything else; she just kind of smiles. Mm-hmm. But um, and it does go forward to like, in an uh, in an early episode, uh, Alex, um, Toby, and. So we had to go through the sex ed class. And JT convinced him to buy condoms just in case something happened with Kendra. And there was this whole thing where she's just like, I'm 12, I'm in 7th grade, I'm not gonna have sex with you. But he's just... <laughs> and Spinner wanted to be the shit out of him. And, like, um... He's like, look, I understand why you... If you want to hit me, hit me. But, like, this is why I did it. I want it, like... I didn't want to have sex with Kendra, but in case something happened, I wanted to protect her. Yeah, you know, <laughs> which not a not a, not a bad point, but you know she's also still twelve.
0: It's true, yeah.
1: But I do like that. You know, their relationship seems to be built on caring for one another. It does. Um. So anyway, uh, Spinner and Paige go tanning.
0: Oh my god, it's a nightmare. Spinner's claustrophobic. Um, and, like, he's struggling to get into, like, the little, like, tanning bed as Paige is, like, objectifying muscle-bound men in, like, the (laughs) muscle-bound magazine. It was really good.
1: I really like that (laughs) part.
0: It was so funny. She's just, like, raising her eyebrows at, like, these massive men. And I'm just like, oh, I feel ya, girl. But, like... (laughs) She's like reading through. Spinner starts screaming in the bed, and like
1: that does not phase her at all. No,
0: she's not phased at all. She turns around, but like her anger, he's like, "I can't do this," and she's like, "Okay." Passes self-tannered him is like, "Yeah, but I'm still gonna go." <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: so good. Um, so they both come out looking horrific. <laughs>
0: they they do. So like the the blue voting happens, which by the way, like you ever like watch it and be like. Man, luau themes are such a bad idea. Jesus Christ.
1: I mean, yeah. Wow. Um, Big
0: oof. Anyway.
1: They all lose.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, they all lose except for one couple in particular, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, They all lose, and it's actually kind of cute because um, they all lose spectacularly for various reasons. And at one point they're all kinda lined up, so it's like Jimmy, Hazel, Spinner, Paige. And they're all just kind of sitting there at like the end of the dance, just going, like, Wow, we we really screwed up here. And like Hazel and Paige are talking about how like they're so shallow. Jimmy's having an allergic reaction to the (laughs) lay.
1: Wouldn't that just be fake flowers? Like did they really get real flowers? I guess they did.
0: That budget. Um, and as they're all kind of sitting around being like, wow, we are losers, like, Ellie walks over and is like, I'm gonna get a picture and put this in the yearbook.
1: I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking front cover.
0: It's so good.
1: Are, are we, was she wearing a special goth Hawaii theme, or was that She
0: was wearing, like, a distressed, like, LA gear shirt. But, like, it wasn't particularly themed. Yeah. No, no goths on vacation looks from her. <laughs> that was, that was Ashley's job. <laughs> it's true she is too cool for these types of themes but um so so they kind of learn their lesson during the process but the dance really also impacts craig's plot so back to craig's plot marco and jimmy are in science class with craig when he finds out his final grade and finds out he did really well on it so marco and jimmy compliment him (laughs) on it and are trying to reach out about the dad thing, you know, sorry about your dad, blah, 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 um, And then Craig says, like, oh, you know, like, he he, he begins to tell the story about how he was in the accident as well. And talks about how he was able to survive the accident. And Jimmy and Marco are clearly, like, really, like, affected by this and really confused by it. Because Marco's like, well, I, I heard that you weren't in the accident. Like, you know, what's what's up with this? And Craig is just kind of like, you know, I'm just joking, like it doesn't have to be that serious, la 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 Um, And you can tell that, like, Marco and Jimmy really don't know what to do about the situation. And and I feel like I like this about this episode, I like this about the episodes, uh, the How Soon Is Now episode as well, where these feel like realistic ways that kids react to their friends going through stuff like this. It feels like what I can expect kids trying to make sense of this situation would do, where they don't understand why their friend is acting this way. They feel bad, but they don't know, but they're put off by it, but they don't know what to do about the fact that they're put off by it. Yeah. And that's what I really like about these aspects of the episode. But, um, so Craig then goes back to his dad's house. There's like a for sale sign already up. Him and Joey are going in um joey sees like kind of is sitting standing in front of the uh kitchen table where his father like still had like his breakfast plates and stuff still up um craig walks into the walks around upstairs and he's like still hearing like bits of his dad's voice in his head and things like that um and then as he's kind of walking around it transitions to craig being in church um, we see that Craig is standing there. We see Sean sitting there. We see Sean a couple pews in the distance. Um, and a colleague is called to do a eulogy, which is, you know, what's higher than true trope when death happens in shows. Um, and the, f- the colleague lists the following qualities about about Shitlord, which are he that he's a friend, that he was a surgeon, he was a swash player, and most importantly, a father.
1: Yeah. And Craig cannot handle this. He yeah. starts laughing. And Jimmy drags him out of the
0: church. Joey does. Joey, damn it. Yeah, you keep, it's okay. We've done it in the past, too. Um, Caitlin is there, which is very interesting. Caitlin was next to Craig and is like, you know, maybe you should, like, maybe Craig needs a little air and, like, try to, like, have Joey take him out. Yeah. Um,
1: my, my guess is she got close to Craig being close to Joey and then like, you know,
0: it's It makes sense. Yeah. It makes sense why she's there. Um, so Joey takes him outside. Craig is like, you know, he, he's, he's, you know, he's, he's laughing. He's losing it. He, he thinks that it's bullshit what they're doing. And Joey is just kind of like, you know, I know your relationship with your father was complicated and that. And then Craig said, well, yeah, but, like, he beat me, and now he can't anymore. Yeah. And that hit me in a way that I wasn't ready for. Um, I won't get too heavy on the podcast, but, like, I know what it's like to kind of lose an abuser because they died. So, like, when that happened, I was like, oh. And, like, everything kind of fell into place that I was watching him struggle with this because this is a struggle that I, too, have experienced of, like, that weird... Like, you're just all over the place. You're laughing about it. You're crying about it. You're happy about it. You're angered about it. You're upset about it. And, you like, you're just oscillating between all of these emotions. And all of them are valid. But, like, like he's young, which also makes this really, really hard. Like, he's a teenage boy trying to deal with this. He's a ninth grader. That's a very young age to be dealing with this. But, like, even when I experienced it, when I was in, like, my 20s and experiencing it, it was just as chaotic. Just as messy. Um, it, it was, like... It, it really affected me um, in a way that I I, I kind of forgot about. Because, like, I knew how this episode went. And I remember this episode. But I think it was when I was a kid and I was watching this episode. I didn't go through that yet. And then once I was, like, watching this, at this point, like, I, you know, I've had that person die. So, like, I was watching it and I was just like, oh, fuck. Like, shit. Wow. oh. Huh.
2: Yeah, that's
0: pretty heavy. It is. It is, and and I'm I'm glad for it. But like I'm glad that I have a piece of media that I can use as a reference for it and how I yeah. feel. And I'm glad that that it was done well. Like I'm glad that it shows how, because it's such like this weird thing where it's like it, it the way that Craig talks about it, he oscillates between it being a black and white issue to him and, a, and it's not. And in many ways, it's easy to kind of just look at it from that black and white standpoint when you're trying to make sense of it yourself. Where you're just like, well, this guy hurt me and he's gone. Period. Okay, he's gone. But then you're like, but I still feel things about this and I feel still feel things about this person and I don't hate this person. Maybe, maybe not. I said I hate this person, but I don't know. I'm not happy that they're gone. And it's just like this. It really shows that compounding of complicated feelings that you get when you deal with trauma like this. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and it's also, like, there is, of course, a definite lack of closure when that yeah. person passes, because at least if they were alive, while, yes, they were horrible, there's at least that, like, hope, especially, I mean, not that his father did this in a good way at all, but there was, like, that level of maybe we can talk it out and figure something out at some point in their lives that uh, gets taken away from you when that person dies.
0: Precisely. Like, in my case, I don't necessarily... I didn't need an apology from the person, but, like, I, I wanted to believe that they were, like, progressing as a person because, like, a lot of things that had happened, like, the person was younger, was very young at the time. So I was kind of like, okay, like, maybe they're getting older and they're getting better and they're doing things and, and maybe, like, you know, they can progress. But then they died. And that's it and like i didn't really make sense of the extent of the damage this person put like had on sorry i guess we're getting real heavy on here whatever um i i can talk about this now it's been long enough but this person um like this person like i didn't really understand what the per, the extent of the person's damage for me until i actually looked at a live journal posts like I actually looked at my old live journal posts and then i went oh shit okay i just did not remember it in the way that, like, I just kind of, like, fluffed it in my memory in various ways, probably just to cope. And I was, like, reading it, so yeah. I had to come to terms with it. But by the time I had come to terms with it and articulated what this person had done, they were dead. That's fucked up. <laughs> like, really hard to make sense of. So, it, 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 it like, they're both really hard, but there is something to be said. Like, when there is a definitive end... And you didn't, like, it's forever unresolved. You never can hold out that that person will turn it around. You can never hold out that this person will even identify what they did to you as abuse. Because that's another thing with Craig. His father says, I went to anger management, but ultimately doesn't feel like he's in the wrong. He feels that he should take care of, like, he should be looking after Craig. He should be the one taking care of him. He should one. he's the one who should be owning this narrative. He never even really, truly sees what he has done as abuse. And Craig will never get to see that. He will never get to see that retribution.
1: Because as he says, you keep screwing up, Craig. Yep. For him, it just is, like, an, it's just a tool mm-hmm. to get Craig to stop screwing up.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <sighs> For me, it wasn't, uh, like, I dealt with a lot of abuse at home, um, but not specifically from my biological father, but mm-hmm. he was also, like, a very distant person. So, like, I do get, like, when that person dies, there's no, like, recovery of, or, like, you know, like, let's see where the future takes us, because, like, that's it, it's gone, you know? Mm-hmm. So I get having these complicated feelings of, like, well, they're my dad, but also X, Y, Z happened. And now there's no way of recovering it. So it's like, do I feel blasé towards it? Do I feel upset? I don't know. I'm going through five million emotions all at once.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's true. It's, I don't know. It, it, I'm not sad. Like when I, like watching this, like I wasn't triggered by it or anything like that. It just felt. Oh yeah, me neither. Not to say that other people can't be. I'm sure there are people who can be, but. It it yeah. was one of those things where it's just like it's it's very rare as an abuse survivor to see your like things articulated in a way that you just couldn't quite get or like you weren't always to quite get quite able to get. So the fact that DeGrassi, this teen drama, like Canadian teen drama that I just watched a lot as a kid and have like fondness toward, was able to nail it is really oh, yeah, important. For sure. Yeah, it's important to me.
2: Yeah, that's why, yeah, that's like, of course, anyone, if they're triggered by it, they're triggered by it. But I think I'm in the same boat where it's like I wasn't triggered by it because it just felt, like, very realistic to how things are when you deal with that kind of situation. Yeah. To the point that, like, okay, this resonates with me and I understand it.
0: Exactly. As opposed
2: to, like, thrusting me full force into it.
0: Exactly. I think that I think resonates is a really good word for it. I think that that's why like I always have a fondness toward Craig because there's something about him that resonates with me as an abuse survivor where he may not always make the right decision. But ultimately, like I, I feel this connection with him that I just don't feel with even abuse survivors in media a lot of the time. I do feel it with him. And that's very important to me as a viewer. Um, so, you know, Craig is trying to deal with this. He's trying to process this. Um, Ashley talks about it at school with Ellie. And she calls Craig's reaction to the situation disturbing. Um, and Ellie is trying to just kind of de-escalate the situation, which I really appreciate. Because Ellie is just kind of like, you know, funerals are stressful. Like, you know, that might be why he's acting that way. And I think that it speaks to Ellie as a person, because Ellie is somebody who's very informed of the world. She's someone who tries really hard to understand what is going on. She's, she's a reporter, and she's someone who likes to do her research and things like that. And I appreciate that she's not the type of character to make assumptions about what Craig has been through. But instead, it's just kind of like, you know, there might be something going on. He's stressed or something. Like, that doesn't make his reaction bad or disturbing. It just means that he's just dealing with something. He's going through it. Um, And Craig enters, you know, enters the scene. And he's like, oh, hey, just so you know, I entered us into the King and Queen Luau contest. Um, And Ashley just kind of looks at Ellie. And Ellie's just kind of like, Ellie, we don't really see Ellie's face. She just is, like, nodding her head a little bit. But we don't really see much more of that conversation we just know that they're entered into the couple contest um and then craig is getting ready for the dance later on he's putting on a hawaiian shirt that's joey's so joey's like oh yeah like sure you can borrow that Um, but he also says like hey like i want to talk to you about um the children's aid type stuff like were you serious about that um which i assume the whole entire thing is like if craig goes through with it most likely Joey would have to, like, be officially fostering or, like, adopting him. Mm-hmm. So I think that's kind of, like, Craig, like, you know, Joey's way of just kind of checking in with him, making sure, like, that's what he wants. Yeah. Um, and Joey is just, like, and and Joey's, like, trying to do that, and Craig Craig feels that, you know, you know, what you're trying to do, you're trying to ruin my good time, like, you don't want me to go to this dance. And Joey tries to project on him with varying degrees of, of success, like, how, like he lost his, how he lost his wife, Craig's mother, and that pain catches up with you. And that you may be okay right now, but it's going to catch you eventually. And it might be at the dance and it might really make things stressful for you. So, and Craig kind of hand waves it because he's like, yeah, but like, my dad sucked. Like, it's not, like, why would I be upset about the fact that my shitty dad died? Which, once again, I really appreciate, like, him trying to force this into a black and white issue when the fact of the matter is a lot of the time, even if it's easy to say, like, this person sucks, I hate this person, it doesn't mean that, like, you still don't have these emotions that don't quite cooperate with that vision.
2: Yeah. Yeah, for sure.
0: So, we go to the dance. Ashley's wearing a black hula skirt and a black lei.
2: She's amazing. Serving
0: <laughs> she looks right she now. She really is. Like she's coming to her own. I love it. I love the commitment to it. Where like Ellie just won't won't even engage in the theme. Ashley makes it her own.
1: Well, that's I think that's a holdover from season 1, Ashley. Yeah, well she
0: was working on she was on the dance committee this <laughs> this season. So, You know, she still wants to do this type of stuff. It's just in her own Ashley way.
1: My vote for a evening with Baja did not uh, go over well.
0: Yeah, like, I got a compromise here. Um, Spray painting on her skirt in the the garage. (laughs) Anyway, I love her. Um, We see some of the characters doing some cute stuff. Sean and Emma are, like, doing, like, limbo, and they look incredibly silly, but, like, they're having fun.
1: I did enjoy that, because it's just like...
0: I know, I felt the same complicated feeling. Uh,
1: I, I mean, it's just, I, I'm hoping it's also showing growth in Sean, where he's just like, you know what, I'm, I'm done worrying about, like, certain things, I'm just gonna have fun.
0: Yeah, like, I'm done trying to think about how what people think of me and perceive me, I'm gonna have fun with my girlfriend, which is what he should have been doing from the start.
1: Yeah. Um... And then it's announced that Craig and Ashley have won luau king and queen. And, and
0: Paige has this great golf clap when it's an initiated announced. Like, <laughs> she's just so upset.
1: Honey, you have 3 more years.
0: I know. <laughs> but still, she's upset.
1: If um if she's not prom queen like her senior year, this entire show is bullshit. I'm just throwing that out there. Right. <laughs> anyway, um Craig sees a guy who looks like his father in the crowd and
0: well first he sees it's a really creepy shot it's like everybody is just standing there except for his father who's like applauding in the back yeah it's really unsettling
1: and then he's like look and he starts walking in the crowd like look Dad I won I won. Lua King, and it's just a completely different guy. Yeah,
0: it's like a teacher um, that just looks similar to him and dresses similar to him, um, and he just kind of storms out of the out of the uh, out of the hall, and Ashley goes up to him and just kind of goes like, you know, the dance was a mistake, and. Craig just kind of snaps at her and it's like this very weird jumbled mess where he like calls her like doom and gloom and this goth person and like you know sick of her having concern it's this weird amalgamation of like the disparaging comments his father made toward her and like his own frustrations it's this weird collision that happens that I feel like happens when you I feel like it's very common when you start internalizing a lot of your abuse and things like that and internalizing a lot of the shitty things that your your abuser says to you where it's like he's like lashing out, but it's not really his words. It's like this weird mix of like what he's internalized from his father and how he actually feels.
1: Yeah. Um he just basically has a nervous breakdown. He tears down the mural. Um,
0: that everyone worked on. Like, yeah, literally everybody, like every principal character, worked on this mural, and he's destroying it. And Ashley's like right there, caught up in it.
1: Yeah, and then he like heads down a hallway, and he's just crying. Um, Radish
0: says he's gonna check in on him. Like everyone should go back into the, back into the I guess cafeteria or wherever it was, which is a good way of handling. It's true. Like everyone just you know get. Get back into there and, like, have some sense of normalcy right now. Like, we will take care of it. You are not professionals. Yeah. Um. <laughs> it's Except for Terry. <laughs> <laughs> Terry, who is a professional.
1: Except so for everybody's friend, Terry. Terry walks up to him and he's just like, he does not understand why he's feeling this. He did not care for his father. His father abused him. And Terry...
0: Well, it's interesting because he's... I don't think he's that explicit about the abuse. I'm not remembering it. I, but, But... I actually like what she says. I feel like it applies even if the person isn't an abuser. It just kind of applies to, like, when you're dealing with grief and how complicated it can be. Because she talks about her own mother dying and how, like, she found out, like, her dad went to, a like, a birthday party she was at to tell her. And, like, she was angry, not because her mom was dead, but because she just wanted to play, like, pin the tail on the donkey.
1: Yeah.
0: Which seems very real. Like, you know in the process of a kid trying to process, like, think about this, like, you're, like, you know, it just kind of speaks to, like, life doesn't suddenly freeze because you lost someone. And, and even adults struggle with this, like, and even, like, you know, many people can speak to, like, when they have, like, a freak out, a lot of the time it's not the big thing that's actually happening. It's like they step their toe. Yeah. Or, like, the printer got jammed. It's, like, that's that's when you start crying. It's not actually the big traumatic thing that you're trying to work through and have been working through the past few months. It's, like, the fact that you stepped on your cat's toe. Like, that's when you start crying. Um, <laughs>
2: that's when it all hits you.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like, and how, like, you know, Craig talks about how he wanted his dad gone and how, like, you know... Now he's crying that he actually is. And Terry, this last bit isn't perfect, but I do understand what they're trying to say here. Where Terry's like, you know, you love him. Like, that's why you're feeling this way. Which is rough in the context of abuse. But also, I, I, I give it more of a pass than a lot of abuse narratives. Because they still don't make it sound like what the dad did was okay.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It's more... Yeah. Fun. Sorry. No, no, please go on.
2: It like, I liked it a lot, actually, just because it, like, like you said, it legitimately doesn't sound, they're like, like, oh, but, like, whatever, you love him, so just forget all this stuff. It's just, like, it made it sound like, yeah, like, love is a complicated thing. Like, he, what he did wasn't okay, but, like, that doesn't mean that he's not your dad and you don't have, like, feelings, like, you know. Of course, even if you're, like, I hate my parents and, like, they're bad, like, there's still that, I guess, moment of, like, you know, like, but you want that sense of a parent, you know? And you want to feel those feelings of a parent to some extent. Exactly. it's very difficult to go through all those uh, convoluted feelings all at once on top of a death.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, no, you, you put it exactly how I was trying to, thank you. It's, it works very well within this and, and it does show that complication. And yeah, like you said, like that wanting of like a parent and that wanting a parent of doing doing certain things. And it's like, in his case, it may not actually be that he loves his father, but loves the concept of having a father. Regardless, yeah. like regardless that pain is still very real and probably has to be processed in the similar way of if he actually did. And it's, it's a very, it it was a touching moment of like these two kids who have gone through similar things, though not accurate, like, you know, 100%, but have gone through similar emotional experiences, finding a connection between the two of them. And I think that, I don't know, it really worked. It spoke a lot to Terry and her character, even if it was a very small moment.
1: Yeah
2: yeah it was funny I like was watching it and I was like alright alright cool cool and then she said that and then I, like the tears came and I was like Aww. okay Degrassi you've made some points Oh, I'm crying now
0: <laughs> yeah it it's yeah it's just very well done it's like it once again this show has such highs and lows but when it when it hits it it hits it so real and so true and I feel like a lot of when they hit it so real and so true it's it's Craig, and I don't know what it is about Craig. I don't know if it's that the actor inspired them to really go this way. I don't know if it was just, like, somebody in the writer's room was coming from it from a very real place or what. But the way that these scenes go with him are done, they're, like, just done so well. And they're very moving.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and, of course, like, Radish is, like, scoping out the situation. It looks okay. And he scopes it back out. He leaves. <laughs>
1: at least sometimes you gotta know, like, when you're out of your element.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was kind of comical. It was just kind of like, oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So Ashley is standing on the edge of the dance floor in the cafeteria. Craig approaches her and says that, you know, we owe everyone a dance. We did win. We didn't dance. Um, And then... He says that, um, you know, he, Ashley doesn't have to be scared. She can ask him how he's doing, and so she does, and then he says that he's doing better. And they dance a little bit, and that's how the episode ends.
1: And he says, like, he's like, I want to go home, essentially. Yeah,
0: he's like, I want to go home, but I want to do this dance first.
1: Yeah. <sighs> uh, both of them get in a solid A+. Yeah. There's There's not a lot to hate about these. Like... So, yeah, I'm not going to not gonna try and say. Um, it, should I go to character rankings? Well,
0: Alex, do you have a rating for this episode at all?
2: Uh, well, from what I remember of people's names, <laughs> uh, Craig is definitely up there 100%. Ashley is up there mostly because she serves some good goth looks, even if she does try to, like, kind of force herself into a narrative that isn't hers Mm uh uh who else was there i like jimmy like that whole like that whole like b plot thing was was fun uh Paige seems like she's probably a really good character if i were to watch more i'd definitely be like let's see what she's about
0: <laughs> I, I might pull I don't know. You on Everyone an else is kind of
2: like, maybe, maybe. I'm sure a lot of them are good. I just don't know much about them.
0: Yeah, this episode, honestly, while a lot of characters make appearances in it, not many of them really get much. Like in terms of the actual plots, who's actually moving the plots? It's actually an extremely small cast compared to some episodes. Yeah.
2: Uh, yeah. I, I enjoyed what I saw of the only two episodes I've ever seen of Degrassi.
0: Yay! Woo. And Frank, how about your your rankings?
1: Okay. Um Ashley, you're staying where you are. Um I mean, you're you're tr- you coming from a good place, but um yeah. I I can't fault her, but I can't like give her points for her no, uh, you know what no, she's going up for trying to be there for her pseudo boyfriend, whatever Craig is.
0: Yeah, it's a little.
1: Um, Craig uh, You're rising in unspecified amount just you went through such a hard week. Jimmy? J- joy. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Jimmy, you're saying. Jimmy Spinner and Hazel are saying roughly the same. Um, Page for just being like, yeah, all right, like to help Liberty. You're already at the edge of the universe. I can't get you past that. Um, <laughs> no, you'll be heading for the source wall pretty soon. DC reference. Um, um, Liberty, for running a fast one on JT. Uh, you're. Rising my estimations. I mean, you're already pretty high, but whatever. Uh, actually, I'm going to really quick go back to Paige because, all things considered, if Paige knows that Emma and Sean were a thing, like she must know that Liberty and JT, or like Liberty liked JT. So the fact that she was just like, yeah, I'm going to make this happen. Like, I think there's some page skullduggery on, going on there. Yeah, yeah. So she's going to rise a little bit more. JT, for doing the right thing, you're also rising a little bit past halfway. Like, you made it to halfway last time. You're Ooh, bumping up a little JT. bit more. Maybe by the end of this I'll find out like why people liked you. Um, Toby, for confessing your feelings to your uh, anime sports main character girlfriend, you're rising up in my estimations. Um, Kendra, eh, you're always pretty high, um, you're staying about where you are, uh, Radish for knowing when you're out of your depth, you're, um, you're going up a bit in my estimations, uh, Joey for really just being a good sport about all this, you're going much higher in my estimations, Angie, you're hanging out with Paige, you can do no wrong, um, Shitlord, not sorry you're dead.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, I might have reservations about saying that about a real person, but you're a fictional character, and that actor walked away. Not sorry you're dead. Um, Ellie, for trying to be an understanding person, you're going up in my estimations. Did I say Terry? Uh,
0: I don't remember.
1: Right, Terry's on the rise. Um, Sean, for being there for your friend and being there for your girlfriend, you're on the rise. Uh, I think that's about it. Mm-hmm. That felt like a marathon session.
0: Yeah, I know, right? Well, I think it's because you know all the characters. Like, you need you need to give your hot takes. Yeah. Um, anyway, so let's go on to recommendations. This is where we recommend things that are complementary to the plot or just things that we're enjoying right now. Um, I thought this episode was really good. I think that if you want to look at a very, very well-done abuse narrative, I think that this and When Doves Cry are both excellent examples of it. Um, So if you need to use this as a tool or just you're somebody who creates and are curious to see an accurate portrayal, obviously this is only one perspective of it, but it does reach, it does resonate with a lot of things that I think a lot of abuse survivors go through. So definitely consider um, checking it out. That said, um, another thing that I really thought handled similar concepts though in a different way and in a different perspective um, was probably moonlight I feel like it hit a lot of these things especially about having a having very complicated feelings towards your abuser and having it be your parent and how that impacts you and your relationship with them and what does what is forgiveness what does it look like how do you progress as a person how does this hang on you i feel like moonlight hit a lot of those types of notes in in a different way um it is still one of my favorite movies that i have seen in recent memory so i really do like to recommend it um yeah um if you obviously you know check out some content warnings before you check it out but i do think it it's another piece of media that hits upon a lot of these themes in a way that's very very well done, done very well and it's also just a beautiful movie in general Alex yes
1: uh,
2: recommendations oh uh I'm not sure on recommendations as far as what
0: would it,
2: go along with this episode it can just be, to something, be
1: honest it can just be something you're
0: currently enjoying yeah what are you currently into Uh, I'm a
2: big true crime advocate. I love learning about true crime, so, I mean, uh, probably everybody knows about this podcast, but My Favorite Murder, I listen to it a lot, recommend it highly if you need something that's, obviously, true crime isn't a joke, but, you know, you can kind of have a laugh with these two women having a conversation along with it if you like these kind of podcasts where everything's very conversational. It's another one of those kind of things. That would be great. Okay.
1: True crime thing. Um, I'm going to go with um, the Patton Oswalt... This is just on the subject of loss. Um, the Patton Oswalt stand-up annihilation, where he talks about the loss of his wife. Um, I'm not going to do the whole thing, but it's just like, it's funny and heartbreaking. And actually, this uh, there's one part that um, made me think this is what they were doing with Craig, where like he says, like the first, the worst, um, the second worst day of my life was when I my wife passed away. The worst day of my life was when I had to tell my daughter. Mm-hmm. And like he like went to his daughter's school, and his the principal was just like, you can't tell her at bedtime. Tell her in the sunshine and then just be with her the rest of the day. Take her out of school for the rest of the week. Like, just don't worry about it. And, like, he told his daughter and, like, just sat with her and held her. And then, like, she's like, he's like, well, you can, we can do whatever you want. We'll go where we want. She's like, on Monday, I want to go to school cause I want, because I want that normalcy in my life. And, but I would just suggest the whole stand up routine is just great, but that part. Is some of the best work I've seen a stand-up comedian do since Tig Notaro's Live stand-up, which I also highly recommend. Um, And just on a lighter note, I want to recommend She-Ra on Netflix.
0: I love She-Ra.
1: Yep. It is... Oh actually no, that one's perfect. Cause yeah that's, that's a really
0: good way of.
1: Yeah, it's another like it's another good example of an abuse ma- narrative.
0: Yeah, but like very much like a it's interesting because it's done through the lens of like a kids program. So yeah. the way that you do it is a little different, but the emotional complications still come out.
1: Yeah. Um, like I haven't seen like this much great character development development in a kid show Zuko.
0: Yeah,
1: and that's I like love Shira. that's the highest praise I can give a shit like any character development. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, Shira and the Princesses of Power is the full title.
0: Yep, definitely check it out on Netflix. I I love it. I have cosplay plans from it and everything. <laughs> like it, it's really good.
2: Yeah, it's super good.
0: Um, it's very. So with that said. Alex, you have made it through. I did it. Congratulations. Um, do you have anything that you would like to promote or various social media that people can get in touch with you?
2: Oh, yes. Um, well, first of all, if you're looking for something more nerdy D&D-based, I have a D&D podcast um, called 20-Sided Spies. It's a live play. We, I play as a drow bard. My husband DMs it, uh, and we just do a, a lot of very goofy espionage missions and try not to die. Uh, it's kind of on a little bit of a hiatus right now due to people shifting around and moving, but I promise we will get back into it. Um, and if you want to find me on Twitter, the best way to reach me is at Howlfor. That's H-O-W-L-E-D-F-O-R. That's kind of like my podcast Twitter. <laughs> So people can reach me there for anything. Uh and yeah, it was really fun. I did it.
0: Woo, thank you so much. So it came
2: for Drake, I guess, because that's all I knew. And and then I left with uh with Craig.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's true.
1: Feels like an upgrade. A
0: little bit. A little bit. Um so If you want to keep in touch with the show, there's various ways you can get in touch with us. Please email us at ihopod at gmail.com, especially if you are interested in hosting as well as potentially interested in telling us how Degrassi has impacted you, how the show, um, how characters have impacted you, episodes have impacted you. Please do not hesitate to send us text as well as audio talking about your relationship with the show. Um, We will happily read them on air. Also, don't hesitate to send us questions, comments, things like that. Um, we will gladly reply to them and maybe even read them on the show. Um, if you would like to also get in touch with us in other ways, you can follow us on Twitter at I Hope Pod. You can also get in touch with us on our Facebook group, which is I Hope I Can Make It Through a Podcast, where we're also around and chatting and doing all that type of stuff. We also have a coffee account where, if you feel comfortable, feel free to make a donation. That donation will be put into our funds to cover for new tech upgrades, as well as compensating our guests. We also have a uh, little system right now where we are trying to hit 20 ratings, um, and. Once we hit that, we will be able to, uh, we're going to give you a little treat and do some original Degrassi episodes and give us some, give you some thoughts. So you will get double the content, and all you have to do is just give us a rating and, and or a review. And please, of course, do not hesitate to tell us to your friends. We really appreciate some of the new listeners that we're getting, um, and we really appreciate all of you, whether you've been here from the start or you're just jumping in. Um, it's really great getting to know you guys through our various social media circles. Um, if you want to get in touch with me as an individual, you can always tweet at me at unbreakable.
1: I don't have a Twitter, but I have a second podcast. It's called Teen Girl Talk. It's my sister and me talking about just nonsense and sometimes the movie we watch that week.
0: <laughs> yep. Um, so with that being said, Alex, thank you again for appearing, um, and we hope we Welcome. can. Thank you. Uh, we hope we can make it through, and we hope you'll be making it through with us. Until next week, everyone.
2: Later. Bye.